1: Girl here. Hi, I'm Mignon Fogarty, and this week I have a quick and dirty tip about the apostrophe in Halloween, a meaty middle with nine ways to use apostrophes, or not, and a tidbit about walking up and down the garden path. Let's get started. A listener named Allegra Young asked, what's your take on the apostrophe in Halloween? Use it or don't use it? and that's Halloween, H-A-L-L-O-W-E apostrophe E-N. Well, one early spelling of Halloween was all hallows even, in which even meant evening. The all and the S were dropped, hallow and even became a closed compound, halloweven, and the apostrophe took the place of the V, giving us hallow E-apostrophe-E-E-N, H-A-L-L-O-W-E-apostrophe-E-N. That's just one of the many transitional spellings along the way to Halloween without the apostrophe, which is the common spelling today, and which the Oxford English Dictionary shows is first appearing in 1786. You can certainly use Halloween with the apostrophe between the two Es if you want an 18th-century feel for your party invitations or decorations. We celebrate Halloween on the last day of October because the holiday was originally tied to the Celtic calendar, in which November 1st was the start of the new year. The Catholic Church later adopted November 1st as All Saints' Day, and therefore October 31st is also sometimes called All Saints' Eve. And that was your quick and dirty tip. Halloween with an apostrophe isn't wrong. It's just an older 18th-century spelling. And now, on to apostrophes. Apostrophes are one of the more confounding punctuation marks. If you search for signs with grammar errors online, most of the results will likely include an apostrophe error, which is actually a punctuation error, not a grammar error, but I digress. Here are some of the most common ways to use apostrophes, and some interesting rare cases. 1. For possessive nouns. When you consider apostrophes, the first word that probably comes to mind is possessive, because our grade school teachers taught us that apostrophes make things possessive. More specifically, apostrophes make nouns possessive. We use apostrophes to write about Oprah's new recommendation, J.K. Rowling's new book, And Taylor Swift's new song. Number two, for compound possession. When you're writing about the possessions of two people, it's a little different. Before you can place your apostrophes, you need to figure out whether the people have the thing together or separately. If they possess the thing together, use one apostrophe on the final name. Franny and Luke's house is at the end of the street with only one apostrophe connected to Luke at the end. If they have separate possessions, each person needs an apostrophe. Franny's and Luke's bikes are in the garage. They each get an apostrophe because they each have their own bike. If you're mixing nouns and pronouns, they both need to be possessive, no matter who owns what. Franny's and my house is at the end of the street. Although such sentences are correct, they often sound awkward. It's usually better to reword them to something like, Our house is at the end of the street. Or, The house where Franny and I live is at the end of the street. But if you have to do it, it's Franny's and my house, with both the noun and the pronoun possessive. Number 3. Not for possessive pronouns. Not all apostrophes are for possessives, though. You don't use apostrophes to make a pronoun possessive, for example. Instead, pronouns have their own possessive forms that have different spellings. Your, its, and their with apostrophes are not possessive pronouns. They are contractions of you are, it is, or it has, and they are. Instead, to become possessive, the pronoun you becomes your, y-o-u-r. It becomes its, i-t-s. And they becomes their t-h-e-i-r, no apostrophes. And let's get back to apostrophes. Number four for contractions and other omissions. Apostrophes in contractions such as it's and there show that letters have been omitted. Other examples of contractions with omitted letters include can't for cannot, heed for he would, Halloween, like we just discussed, it lost its v from even, and o'clock for of the clock. Although the more obscure contractions, such as I'd of, there are, and that of, are properly formed because the apostrophes mark the omitted letters, it's best to avoid them because they distract readers. And as an aside, if you read very old manuscripts, you'll see all kinds of strange contractions in words with two apostrophes. They were more common in the past before spelling became as standardized as it is today. Number 5. For years with omitted numbers. If you omit the first two numbers of a year, you should also indicate the omission with an apostrophe. For example, the 60s, with an apostrophe before the 6 to show that the 1 and 9 have been omitted. But be careful. Many word processors will insert a single open quotation mark at the beginning of a word instead of an apostrophe. But these two punctuation marks aren't interchangeable, because they face opposite directions. Often the easiest way to get an apostrophe is to copy and paste one from a different spot in your manuscript. Number 6. Another way to use apostrophes is with rare plurals. It used to be more common to use apostrophes to make abbreviations plural—cds with an apostrophe before the s, for example. The New York Times was the last major publication to drop this style, and the nearly universal style today is to simply add an S, CDs with no apostrophe. The same is true for numbers. It used to be common to use an apostrophe to make years plural, the 1960s with an apostrophe before the S. But today, the common advice is to simply add an S, the 1960s with no apostrophe. But apostrophes are still often used to make single letters plural. You tell people to mind their P's and Q's, dot their I's and cross their T's, and you turn on the TV to watch the Oakland A's. They all have apostrophes. Letter grades are an exception, though. They're usually capitalized and written without an apostrophe. Number seven, use apostrophes for the past tense and participles of rare verbs. Occasionally, Verbs are formed from all capital letters, and in those instances, it's acceptable to use an apostrophe to form the past tense and to form the participle. For example, the Chicago Manual of Style recommends using OD with an apostrophe before the last D, for the past tense of the verb to overdose, when it's abbreviated OD. And The Associated Press recommends using okayed with an apostrophe before the last D. For the past tense and okaying, with an apostrophe before the ing for the participle of the verb to okay. Industries often have jargon that you wouldn't use when communicating with the public, but you can use when communicating internally. If your industry uses such abbreviations as verbs, it may be fine to use an apostrophe to make the past tense and participle. For example, you could write, have you macked that widget? Gwen is macking it right now, with apostrophes in macked and macking. Check to see if your company has a style guide that recommends how to form such verbs, and if not, check to see how other people in your industry write them. Number eight, use apostrophes for some holiday names, but not others. Holidays always cause apostrophe confusion because they all have official names, but they don't use apostrophes consistently. In the United States, we celebrate Mother's Day and April Fool's Day, which have apostrophes, and Veterans Day, which doesn't have an apostrophe. The names don't follow a single rule. You have to look up the official spelling for each holiday. And finally, number nine. Some set phrases use apostrophes in ways that aren't immediately obvious. Phrases about time and money often take apostrophes. Two weeks' notice and your money's worth both have apostrophes. And phrases that end with sake Take a lone apostrophe if they end with an S sound, but take an apostrophe plus an S otherwise. For example, for goodness' sake and for appearances' sake, have an apostrophe at the end of goodness and appearances, because those words end with an S sound. But for heaven's sake and your father's sake, have an apostrophe and S at the end of heaven and father, because those words don't end with S, so they need one. And that's it. Nine ways to use an apostrophe or not. Now you're an expert. And a version of this segment originally appeared in Office Pro Magazine. Remember the frustration of trying to memorize vocabulary and grammar rules only to find you couldn't actually use the language in real life? Well, there's a better way to learn. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program with millions of users learning 25 different languages and you can get it on your desktop or as an app on your phone or tablet. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways with its intuitive process. It's really different. You pick up the language naturally, first with words, then the phrases, and then with sentences. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. Don't put off learning that language. There is no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Grammar Girl listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Is it rosettastone.com slash grammar? That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com grammar today. And now on to the garden path. Let's get one thing straight. Whether you're leading someone up the garden path or down it, you're doing something wrong. This phrase dates from the early 1900s. It means to deceive someone or send people misleading signals. For example, imagine that a friend starts talking about her amazing car. She might tell you how well it runs, how sharp the color is, and what great mileage it gets. She might tell you how sad she is that she has to sell it, how she wishes it could go to a friend. If that car is really a junker, your friend is leading you down the garden path. In other words, she's trying to trick you. She's dropping leading messages in front of you one by one. She wants you to innocently follow them until you do exactly what she wants, pay good money for her bad car, not a very nice friend. Back to our original question, is she leading you up the garden path or down it? Actually, she could be doing either. Both phrases have been used consistently over the past century. The up phrase is used more frequently in the United Kingdom, while the down phrase is used more frequently in the United States. But both are correct. So that's your tidbit for the day. You can lead people up or down the garden path, but either way, you're deceiving them. That segment was written by Samantha Enslin, who runs Dragonfly Editorial. You can find her at dragonflyeditorial.com or on Twitter as dragonflyedit. And I'm Mignon Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl. You can find all the Grammar Girl articles at quickanddirtytips.com. And if you need to learn AP style or just need a refresher, check out my new webinar at bit.ly slash style. That's all. Thanks for listening.